Are you looking for an athletic scholarship? You're in the right place. This is the Recruit Me Athletic Scholarship Podcast, the longest-running podcast on recruiting and athletic scholarships. We're here to help your family navigate the recruiting road all the way to an athletic scholarship. He's a recruiting expert and a dad of two college athletes. He has a wealth of experience to share. Here's Recruit Me CEO, Brent Hanks. Welcome to episode 392 of the Athletic Scholarship Podcast. This week's episode is part one of a two-part interview with a college athlete's father. Aaron Boutwell is the father of Molly. Molly is in her second year at Indiana University and is on the women's rowing team. Aaron will introduce himself, his wife, and Molly to you, and then you will hear how Molly got to Indiana University and then on the rowing team. Aaron teaches us, you and me, about the sport of rowing, what Molly's role is or position is on the boat, and how she was recruited and how some of her teammates were recruited. Also in this first of two episodes, Aaron discusses some of Molly's training, her perks of being on a rowing team, and her travels for meets. I'll preview next week's episode at the end of this one. You'll find out Aaron and I met in college at the then Southwest Missouri State. I helped to bring Aaron in as a manager for the Bears men's basketball team. You'll also hear how being associated with a sport in college, even as managers, affected our lives professionally, and how we use that to influence our kids not only to choose a college, but to appreciate the opportunity sports gives a student-athlete. Now let's get started with the interview with Aaron Boutwell. Aaron, welcome to the Athletic Scholarship Podcast, and uh, tell us a little bit about your family and uh, what, what each of, uh, of you guys are doing. Hey, thanks, Brent, for having me. Um, my name is Aaron Boutwell. I, I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I've uh, been married to my wife, Vicki, uh, for uh, almost uh, 25 years. Uh, actually, be 25 years this year. Uh, so after school, after working, uh, after going to Missouri State University and interning at the Missouri Valley Conference, I got a job with Rawlings Sporting Goods. And the job with Rawlings was to go around in our 18-wheeler uh, that had a, a couple of trailers on the back. One was a museum. And the other one was a workshop where we showed people how bats and baseballs were made. And we would drive around the country. I would do about uh, 150 shows over the course of 220 days on the road every year. For uh, I did it for like three years. And uh, the end of the first year, we would end our season at the World Series. And we were in the uh, we were at the World Series in 1995. It was Cleveland versus Atlanta. We were up in Cleveland, and uh, there was another uh, marketing vehicle in town for a different event. But they decided to come down and do a little uh, extra marketing because you don't know where the World Series is going to be until like the week before. Uh, there was a nice young lady in the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. And so we introduced ourselves to each other and uh, got a conversation going. Uh, if it wasn't for baseball, hot dogs, and the World Series in Cleveland, uh, Molly wouldn't be uh, rowing for Indiana University. So You, much like uh, Lori and I, uh, we met at the Missouri Valley Basketball Tournament, so our basketball backgrounds brought us together, and that's how we met. So uh, good things Uh, come from sports, right? Good things come from sports, and good things come from saying yes and getting out of your uh, comfort zone and, uh, you know, working to get that extra job, that, that internship or you know, making those extra calls to get that 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 uh, link from uh, from the Missouri Valley to Rawlings. Rawlings was a sponsor, and so to make those connections, it, it's it is like you said, it's it's uh, it, it changes you the the course of your life. Well, give us a little bit more of your background, and and then your wife, uh, what she's doing now, and then we'll get into uh, talking about your daughter Molly. Yeah, so like I said, I worked for Rawlings there out of after the internship for uh, ended up working for them uh, for about. Uh, 
about eight years, and then I left for about a year to go to work at a sales promotion agency where that was really neat. Uh, while I was at Rawlings, I did uh, a lot of marketing and product management. I was the baseball product manager for a little while. I did batting gloves, uh, catcher's gear, helmets, you name it. Uh, I got a chance to put a stamp on on uh, developing the product and managing that product uh, while I was there. Uh, I had an opportunity to leave and, and do some, uh, some marketing and sales at an agency where I worked on some Nike business, uh, some inter international truck, uh, Gillette's World Cup activation, uh, which was very cool and uh, kind of expanded my experience in a lot of different areas. Uh, with international truck, it was putting together incentives for the uh, the dealer or for the sales reps at each one of the dealerships. So um, obviously the sports ones were uh, Nike was introducing their new backpack line and they wanted to get that all uh, launched at each store across their different uh, uh, partners. Uh, after that, I returned back to Rawlings uh, because uh, they had taken the model that uh, I was talking about as far as the uh, the road show and putting it into ballparks. And so I ended up managing uh, seven ballparks across the country where we had this baseball, where we would show how baseballs and bats were made and then sell people uh, laser and gray bats and did that for a long time. And then uh, moved on, uh, worked for them for a little while and then got a job with uh, Stanley Black & Decker working on the DeWalt brand. Uh, and just did that for nine years. And then I just left there uh, a little over a year ago and I worked for Ideal Electric. Uh, my wife, Vicki, uh, when she came to town in St. Louis when we, uh, while we were dating, uh, got a job at Fleischman Hillard, which is their world headquarters for the public relations firm here. She worked her way up through there and then has gone through a couple of other positions, most recently at the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra, where she was the vice president of communications. And uh, most recently, um, she's been doing some consulting. Our daughter, Molly, we live in Oakville. Uh, Missouri when she went to Oakville High School. She came home uh, in the very fall of her freshman year and she said, I'm going to go try out for the field hockey team. We never really knew much about that. Or my closest affiliation to field hockey was my folks took us out to the uh, 1984 Olympic Games in Los Angeles and one of the tickets that we were able to procure back in the day, we actually saw Olympic field hockey. So that was my connection to it. Um, and so she took it on uh, learned the sport as she was going along, worked really hard at it and got all the way up to where, uh, spent a couple years, obviously the freshman team, and then a couple years on junior varsity and then senior year on varsity. And Missouri wise, uh, what size of school is Oakville? Oakville's a big one. Uh, it's a class five or class six, uh, depending on, you know, whether it's a uh, football or, or the other sports. You said you knew about field hockey a little bit uh, in high school, uh, but she wasn't really pursuing a college uh, sports experience when she went to uh, Indiana University. So how'd she end up at Indiana University? Yeah, it's, it's one of those where, you know, she she played the sport. She started on varsity for her senior year, uh, but knew that uh, the next level where she wanted to go to school was probably not something that was in play. She had looked around at a, at a couple of schools, obviously uh, here in Missouri, as, as and then um, my wife went to Indiana University, so we have a connection there. She really kind of fell for the place and, and realized that maybe there was something else over there as far as from, maybe, from a club standpoint to maybe play some field hockey or do something because she really enjoyed the team experience and that was really important to her. So she, she ends up enrolling over at Indiana and one of the first emails that she gets uh, was sent out to all, all females, uh, female incoming freshmen about the rowing team. And there was an opportunity to become uh, a member of that, uh, that team. And so she attended uh, one of the couple of uh, introductory sessions that they had to talk about it. 
Uh, they know when going in that there are a lot of girls out there that, that really don't know much about the sport because it still is kind of an emerging sport, but uh, there are a lot of opportunities with it. And so she attended, started uh, the workouts, uh, which were like at uh, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Her funny story about it was the first morning, there was about uh, 80 or 90 girls. The next morning, there were about 50 or 60 girls. And then by the third or fourth morning of the, the pretty good workouts that the uh, strength and conditioning coaches for Indiana were putting them through, uh, they they were kind of weeding them out pretty good. So so you guys were experts on rowing before uh, uh, she hit Indiana. We, we were we were not. Uh, like I said, it was really kind of a, a introductory email, kind of out of the blue, and and so she, she went. Um, Molly is a about five. Uh, Five 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 four. So it was one of those where when they talked to her, they realized that she was not going to be uh, a rower, but more of a coxswain. In the rowing, there are uh, eight-person boats and there's four-person boats. On both of those boats, there is a coxswain, which they're being the coach. They're also steering the boats. Most uh, athletes uh, that they that they end up getting uh, from the general population or through recruits aren't necessarily rowers. There are a few rowing schools across the country that do high school. There are some clubs that do it in different cities. But for the most part, they're getting, you know, um, basketball, track, soccer players. Those are their big ones. Volleyball as well. They're looking for folks that are uh, 5'10 or above, usually when it comes to rowers. Uh, six foot is uh kind of the, the key height. They like long athletic athletes so they can... Uh user leverage. So about the only thing that I knew about rowing is you wanted to go fast and straight. So she, she tells them to go fast and she keeps them straight. She tells them to go fast and she tells them to, uh, and she keeps the boat straight. You know, the funny thing about the coxswains, uh, we were talking about the sports that these girls come from in the coxswain crew at Indiana. There's a former uh, Molly's former field hockey. There's a former gymnastics, a former golfer, former swimming, and then also a former ice hockey, women's ice hockey player. The idea behind team and the idea behind uh, wanting to be a part of that is and, and knowing the sacrifices that are involved, whether you are the coxswain or the rower, that you're going to go through that. But on the flip side, you get a lot of those benefits of, of what they loved being on a team in high school. So you mentioned that they sent out an email to all the uh females at uh, at Indiana. Have you heard from her teammates whether they get into recruiting before they get into college or a majority of them contacted as they get into college and kind of recruited once they get in on campus? It's a little bit of both. The co there are coaches in the rowing department that are uh, actively recruiting. Uh, so is what they look for and is what if you look at any of the Big Ten uh, rowing websites, there are questionnaires that are available on those websites to actually go in and talk a little bit about yourself as far as what you do, whether you're a volleyball or soccer player, a little bit of your stats and different things like that. And then they will start to actively kind of talk to you about the opportunities that are there in rowing. So they are actively recruiting people, but I'll be honest with you, from being over here in Missouri, where rowing is not really a prevalent sport, it is more of a back east or west coast uh, sport, there are tons of opportunities for young women in this, uh, specifically because of the Title IX, that they need to offer as many opportunities for women as they do men, and with men and having football and the 80 some odd folks that are over there to get those numbers equalized up, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 uh, young women on the Indiana rowing team. And that's what I was going to ask is how many members uh, does a normal rowing team have? And and you mentioned uh, a 18 boat and a 14 boat. 
when they're in competition, how many boats are they usually allowed to uh, have on the water? And then also, what levels are there? Is there a varsity, a reserve? Uh, do they have a club? Uh, what What are some of the levels? Yeah, so when it first comes out, they, they have two different classifications. They call it novice, and they call and then there's varsity. Novice is just that you have you are new to the sport. You have, you have never necessarily uh, rode before in a collegiate competition. So that's most of every freshman that comes in. But if you're a junior or a sophomore that goes out for the rowing team, which you absolutely can, after you kind of maybe got yourself settled, you can actually then you would be a novice because you've never rowed before. But then the next year, now that you have actually classified yourself as a, uh, you know, you have a year's worth of experience. Now you're on their varsity roster. And so there are a couple of boats. It, 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 the other sport that I will kind of equate it to that folks might remember a little bit more in, in the uh, Olympics is bobsledding. Uh, there's two-man or two-person bobsledding, four-person bobsledding. There's usually like a USA 1 and a USA 2. In rowing, it's very similar. There's usually a eight-person or a V8 1 uh, uh, and then a, 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 a eight-person V8 2. And then there'll be a V41 and a V42. So there'll be a top boat and then there'll be a secondary boat. And then there'll be a novice eight. Uh, they don't really do novice fours. Uh, they want to get the the girls uh, kind of just understanding the, the the concept and everything. So they'll run usually run a novice one and a novice two. For anybody who is a little more familiar or, or is, is kind of wondering a little bit, maybe you saw The Boys on the Boat, which I would highly recommend as a great movie to go see from not only just from rowing, but just from a sport and, and understanding the co the connection that, that comes from being a part of, of a sculling team. There are sculling boats and there's sweep boats. And sculling boats is whenever you're, you are rowing both oars on each side of the boat. Uh, sweep boats, you only are rowing one side of the boat. So these are all sweep boats. So if you're in seat one, you're rowing to the left. And if you're on seat two, you're rowing to the right and so on and so forth. So... So the competition is uh, usually a, they'll they'll run all of those. And as they're running the competitions, depending on the location, it'll be how many boats they'll run at one time. At the Big Ten Championships at the end of the year, they'll run, there are eight teams out of the uh, a number of uh, a a number of schools that are in the Big Ten that sponsor rowing. And so they'll run all eight boats across. And it's a one-time uh, final. Uh, so you, you start and all eight teams are there. You go one through eight at the very end of the of the finish line. Uh, things will obviously change with conference realignment, with the addition of three new rowing schools, which will be Washington, uh, UCLA, and USC. And so they'll be going to more of a heat setup, a lot like the NCAAs. So at the NCAA championships, there'll be different heats of each of the eights and the fours uh, as they go through the competitions. And then as times are posted, they get uh, moved on to the end to the finals. And is this Molly's second year as a uh, as a rower? It is. It's her second season. So she's moved up from um, from novice to uh, varsity, and now there's a little bit of a I wouldn't necessarily say a bottleneck, but there's just more more folks in, in the game now. She's still learning the sport, and she's doing great. But she also knows that they've got a they're very uh, heavy in the upperclassmen this year. So it's an opportunity for her to learn more about getting closer together on her boats. Like when, when she was mentioning it uh, as a novice, their idea is just that they keep them spread out a little bit so that they just kind of learn what's going on. When you're in varsity, you're in one of those eight lanes and you, you're really close to the, 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 the boat next to you. 
So it's, it's a lot like as you're learning to drive, learning where your wheels are, you're learning where your paddles are. The other interesting thing about it is, is once the boat, the girls are in the boat and they're getting ready to go off into the competition, the coach cannot do anything at that point. Coach Steve, um, who's the head coach for the for the Hoosiers, uh, has a story. He was at a, a coach's meeting with the other IU coaches when Coach Tom Crean, the basketball coach, was there. And they were talking about things. And he said, so Coach Crean's like, so you're telling me that as soon as your girls get go off in the boat, you can't do anything. And he's like, absolutely correct. That struck Coach Crean, obviously, quite different because in basketball, we all know that it's, it's a constant coaching. Whereas once uh, Coach Steve puts the boat in the water, and sends it off. Molly, as a coxswain, is now the coach of the boat. She's the quarterback, you might call it. You've got different parts of the boat uh, as far as what uh, what each one of those rowers is actually doing to actually uh, move them all down the water. About 2,000 meters is the, uh, the, the standard race length that they're going to go through on all of these races. You know, it's interesting for some of the girls and parents that we've gotten to know who have done high school rowing, it, uh, they've kind of created high school rowing to be kind of a, uh, almost a, a cookout party type situation. Collegiate rowing is not necessarily like that. It's just It just doesn't have some of the same uh, setups, except for probably the Big Tens and the NCAAs. It's more of a, you know, again, more of a festival atmosphere. The, we're racing the clock. So And the clock is even subjective, to be very honest with you, Brent, because uh, if the wind is blowing or how things are going, uh, if you put up, a, if you post a certain time, if it's more wind, it's again uh, uh, re relating to those track and field sports where wind aided or wind against you uh, can help or hurt uh, a performance during a day. So what kind of training facilities do they have a river, a lake? Do they have uh, canals? Uh, and then also maybe some of the uh, weightlifting and stuff like that. What does she get to do in, in that capacity? Yeah, great question. So they actually have two locations. They actually have a uh, full locker room workout facility at Assembly Hall. Uh, they will also utilize the weight room over at Memorial Stadium. So they do have some on-campus facilities. The uh, big tool that they use uh, for the girls is called an ERG. It's a basically a rowing machine that has uh, uh, pu uh, pulls off a lot of different data that they can actually grab. Uh, and they'll have they have a big ERG room at, at Assembly Hall, and that's where they'll do their their on-campus workouts. About 20 minutes outside of Bloomington is a private lake uh, called Lake Lemon. I mean, it has some access. And uh, Indiana University's built a boathouse out there. They've got all of their uh, boats and uh, and some er uh, machines out there to, to kind of do some warm-ups as well. So they actually have uh, quite a few facilities. They get uh, full access to the, the strength and conditioning staff at uh, Indiana. E even as a coxswain, my daughter has uh, stepped on pretty much every step of Memorial Stadium from bottom to top because they want to keep everybody in shape. Travel-wise, she went, she went from novice to uh, varsity. What are some opportunities for travel? And do they have home meets? They do have home meets. Uh, they have a big one uh, at uh, the end of almost the end of the rowing season. It's called the Dale England Cup. Dale England was a big uh, a booster of the Indiana rowing program. And so they named their uh, cup that they uh, have their their uh, event with uh, for him. They're usually rowing every weekend or every other weekend somewhere in the Midwest or even back east. There is also one uh, one uh, big the Big Ten Invitational, which is kind of interesting because one, not all the Big Ten teams go to it, and other teams do. 
and it's located in uh, Sarasota, Florida. And so that's kind of an interesting one. They'll fly down to that one. They're going back uh, this season uh, up to New Jersey to do some rowing against uh, some of the East Coast schools. Uh, They'll fly to that one, but they'll actually go and do some training. They did a training trip over the winter break. They went down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. They took a bus down there and did a week's worth of training. For spring break, they'll go out, they'll bus out to Clemson uh, and they'll row at the uh, Clemson uh, boathouse for a week out there. And then they'll come back. When they come back from there, they go to a pretty big meet that's at uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, right outside of Knoxville. And they'll row up against uh, some really great competition there. Uh, We went to that one last year because they actually did some freshman novice rowing at that one. Molly was able to do, uh, was able to cox for a race. And it was really interesting. There was, uh, you know, Notre Dame, Navy, Michigan State, Tennessee obviously was there. So really kind of a a Duke was there. It's a really interesting schedule. um, So they're, they're always around. But they'll also go over and do just a weekend at Ohio State with two or three other teams as well. So when they were in Alabama, were their times faster? Were there gators in the water? <laughs> no gators that, that we know of, but it, it's just a really great opportunity for them to go around and see different parts of the country. Uh, as you know, I got to do when I was on the Rawlings truck. You know, the great thing about intercollegiate sports is you get to go and see and visit other campuses and see other people. So she's going to nicer places than Macomb, Illinois and Valparaiso, Indiana. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a couple of places that you and I hit back in the old uh, uh, managing days of uh, Southwest Missouri, then Southwest Missouri State, now Missouri State in the old uh, Mid-Continent Conference. Thank you to Aaron for all the information given in part one of this interview. Part two, or next week's episode, episode 393, will cover Molly's rowing training and her season more on rowing scholarships and perks. Also, some of the other expenses associated with rowing. And you get to hear how proud Erin is of Molly as she has taken advantage of an opportunity that was put in front of her as she takes on both the academic lessons and the athletic lessons at Indiana University. Please join me next week for part two of this interview. Catch the Athletic Scholarship Podcast on your favorite podcast app or on the recruit-me.com website. Take advantage of the free Recruit Me Power Pack and the Recruit Me Monthly Newsletter. Sign up today on the recruit-me.com website. Have a great week, and I'll see you next week.